Hey there, and welcome back to Humbly Spoken Podcast. I'm Kinsley, a college student living in Tennessee, and I am passionate about theological issues and mental health. In this episode, as I'm sure you've gathered from the title, we'll be diving into weighty topics, suffering, grief, and God's care for us. Along with sharing biblical truth, I'll talk about a really difficult season in my life where I learned more of the kind character of God, and at the end of the episode, a few of my dear friends will speak of their experiences with times of grieving and suffering. I hope this episode will serve to remind you that God is for us and not against us, and that all things work for the good of those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. So thank you so much for listening to Humbly Spoken Podcast, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So I wanted to start off this episode with talking about my own experience with suffering and grief. And truthfully, God has taught me in so many seasons of my life when it comes to suffering and grief. So this is just one chosen out of several that I wanted to talk about. So June through December of my junior years of college is remembered in my mind as one of the toughest seasons of my life. In June, I moved to Providence, Rhode Island to work with Crew, a mission organization and ministry I've been a part of throughout college. Rhode Island seems so random, but God opened the door, so I went. I surely expected to change exponentially in faith and to come back to Tennessee in college in August, a changed person. My faith did grow exponentially, and I was a changed person when I returned home in August. Suffering caused me to grow, and grief caused me to change. So, What's the story? Summer mission started the second week of June and just a few days later, the unimaginable happened. One of the couples on staff with crew had delivered a premature baby right before my team made our way to Rhode Island. Their baby had been doing really well despite being in the NICU, but we got a call that their baby had passed away just a few days into our summer long mission trip and I was crushed. To be honest, I didn't understand why their baby's death hit me as hard as it did. Obviously, the loss of a child is unimaginable, but the way I was feeling was as if it was my own child that I had lost. I returned home in August, just a few days before the start of my junior year. I had been asked to lead a Bible study for crew. I was actively involved in my church, and anyone I knew could tell you that I had a strong faith. But the loss of the staff couple's baby a few months earlier had planted a seed of such deep hurt, loss, and despair in my heart that I could not even stand to think on the idea of God, much less about doing anything to serve Him. In the back of my mind, I knew that the God of Christianity was as real as you or me, but everything about Him made me want to scream and forsake the faith I had known. And I think this is what suffering and grief does to us. Our experiences cause us to hyper-focus on everything that could have gone differently to prevent us from these heavy, difficult burdens that we have to bear. And for me, something that could have gone differently was that God could have taken out his anger on something else, anyone else besides the baby he allowed to die. My suffering and grief had such a firm grasp on me that they asked me, that they caused me to misunderstand God and his character. I was convinced that God wasn't good after all, and I even gave into the belief of a deist that God had created us and then abandoned us soon after. At this point in my life, I was standing firm in the idea that God could not potentially care about us if he had caused such a horrible thing to happen. But does any of this sound familiar? 
Perhaps the greatest question used to refute Christianity and statistically one of the main reasons former Christians walk away from the faith is due to this reasoning, that there cannot really be a God because of all the suffering in the world, and if there is a God, he's not good and therefore not worthy to follow. I grew up in the church, so even when I didn't believe anything about God, I sure knew how to act like I did. So that's exactly what I did this junior year of college. To be honest, I don't really know why I did that, but maybe it was because some of my best friends were Christians, and maybe I was too prideful to step down from positions of leadership that I had attained in the Christian world. Today I look back and I thank God for keeping me near a community of believers, even when I did not care about Him at all. And yet, I knew there was something wrong, something missing, once I had stepped away from desiring to know God. One of the first things I did in an effort to fix this incredible emptiness inside of me was to go to counseling. Life was getting really heavy, and I was feeling all too many dangerous thoughts. And if you're a Christian who's ever struggled with doubt and suffering, you probably know that the path is lonely and frightening. And you also know that mental health struggles seem to rise even more above the surface. I was told about a Christian counseling center in my area, and just a few days later, I was sitting in a guy named Patrick's office, crying because I was angry, deeply hurt, depressed, and scared. I really can't even begin to express my gratitude for the year of counseling that followed because I worked through nearly every thought I had about God, and though it was a really slow process, I was finally on my way towards healing and redemption. Then, something unexpected happened in my life. I met a new friend who understood what it felt like to walk alone on a path of doubt and anger towards God. One Thursday night at a crew meeting, a guy I had only known of but did not know personally walked up to me. His name was Joel, and his voice is actually featured at the end of this podcast where he talks about his own experience with grief and suffering. Joel asked me to grab coffee because he, in quotes, heard that my summer mission experience was really difficult. And seriously, Joel, no kidding. (laughs) To make a very long story of friendship short, Joel was one of the first people I told about my grief and endless questioning of God. To my surprise, Joel had actually been there a time or two, and he knew how to listen and just sit with me in the pain. That first conversation started a friendship that I cherish greatly, a friendship that is open to discussing the difficult things about walking with God, believing in God, and trusting in God amidst grief and suffering. So, Joel, thank you for helping me along the path of healing. I also have to note that I have a cat sitting in my lap, so if you hear purring, that would be it. (laughs) So... If I could spend the rest of my life unpacking my emotions and how I changed and the lessons that I learned in these several months, I would. Honestly, though, I'll just conclude with this, and then we're going to move on into talking about God's heart for us amidst suffering and grief. As I purposefully walked away from God, I felt more alone than I had ever felt. Maybe you've been there, too. I felt like I was alone, screaming at the top of my lungs, and everyone around me was just bustling around, not bothering to notice that I was suffering so greatly. Granted, I wouldn't be speaking the truth if I did not tell of my friends who helped me in this hard time, because there were several that even when I wasn't being honest with myself about how I was feeling, they just walked with me through the hurt, and I am eternally grateful for them. But at the same time, I felt a deep and utter sadness at all times. It's wild for me to look back and to see God's hand in all of it, even though I did everything to push him away. In this season of my life, I was the prodigal son that Luke writes of in Luke 15. I had wandered far, drenched in agony and anger and hurt. I had tried to do things on my own for a while, and still in the end, I found my way back to the Father, 
who clothed me in a robe, put a ring on my finger, and celebrated my return, because once I was lost, but now I was found. So I believe that you will not hold a right view of the God of the Bible if you do not understand that he knows and empathizes with and understands pain, agony, deep sadness, and loss. And you will also not hold a right view of the God of the Bible if you do not believe that he fights for us, he loves us, and he cares for us. So this episode is actually part one of a three-part series on grief and suffering, and in the following two episodes, I will dive into particular people of the Bible who are well acquainted with suffering and grief, including David, Paul, Peter, Job, and many others. Today, however, I'm going to speak of one man in the Bible who I believe knows the suffering of unbelief, doubt, fear, and questioning. Thomas is the first person that I think about when I think of doubt. Thomas was a disciple of Jesus, and he's often referred to as Doubting Thomas. Thomas was a man who was deeply committed to Jesus Christ. Thomas is also referred to in scripture as Christ's twin. As one of only 12 disciples, Thomas was present for miracles, healings, resurrections, and the everyday teachings of Jesus. Yet, Thomas struggled to believe that Jesus really was God. When I first heard teachings about Thomas, I thought that his unbelief was seriously irrational because he had literally seen God in the flesh, and I wondered how he could possibly still doubt after what he had witnessed with Christ. There are actually a few quotes that I think serve well about Thomas to fit into this examination of his unbelief. Mark Schaefer, in his book, The Uncertainty of Certainty, writes, If Jesus is the model of perfect faith and his twin is Thomas who models doubt, then what we understand is that faith and doubt are not antitheses, they're twins. Dallas Willard, the author of The Allure of Gentleness, Defending the Faith in the Manner of Jesus, writes, Let's remember that Jesus didn't leave Thomas to suffer without the blessing of faith and confidence. He gave him the evidence he required. That is typical of Jesus' approach to doubt. He responded to honest doubters in the way he knew best, the way that would help them to move from doubt to knowledge. After Jesus' resurrection, he appears to all of his disciples, minus Judas Iscariot and Thomas in John chapter 20. The ten disciples are gathered in a house, hiding from the government, and Jesus appears inside the house with them. He tells them in chapter 20, verse 19, peace be with you, and shows them the holes in his hands and in his side. Then he essentially gives the first great commission command as he tells his disciples that he is sending them into the world with the Holy Spirit he is giving them in verses 21 through 22. For one reason or another, Thomas is not present in this house on the day that Jesus appears. When the disciples tell him that Jesus has come back from the dead as the true Messiah for whom they have waited, Thomas replies in John chapter 20, verses, verse 24, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. How many times have you said something along the lines of, If God could just come and sit in front of me, I would know that he's real. This is exactly what Thomas was feeling at this point. Thomas walked intimately with Jesus, saw everything that Jesus did during his time on earth, and yet he still wrestled with doubt, just like me and perhaps just like you. Many of you know how this story goes. Jesus did not refute Thomas's disbelief and cast him away. He was not angry with Thomas for doubting. So what does Jesus do? Eight days later, recorded in John chapter 20, verses 26 through 29, Thomas and the other disciples are inside a house again when Jesus appears among them. 
Again, Jesus tells them to have peace, and he directly and intentionally approaches Thomas, saying, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. This story typically has me in tears by this point, because the same qualifiers of Thomas's doubt become the same areas Jesus showed to Thomas. Thomas needed to see his hands and his sides to believe in Jesus, and Jesus met that need exactly. This beautiful account ends with these words. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So this is perhaps the part of the episode that is my favorite, because over the next couple of minutes, you will hear from three of my friends, Audrey, Joel, and Sarah, as they share about times in their life that were plagued with grief and suffering. Then you will hear them share how they have seen God amidst their circumstances. I'm thankful for each of these friends who have helped me along the path of healing, and I'm so excited they agreed to share their stories. The first person I would like to introduce is Audrey, a friend of mine who lives in Colorado and teaches high school history. Hi, my name is Audrey, and I have gone through a lot of suffering, especially throughout the year of 2019. Um, I was really struggling with mental health stuff like anxiety, um, just past trauma, and then, of course, the nature of my own sin. And obviously, those are still all things that I struggle with now, but what I learned during that really intense suffering in 2019, which was bad enough to the point where I didn't even have the will to live, was the importance of joy and how that comes from God. Because those other feelings of suffering, like anger or frustration or sadness, or even the moments of happiness you have, those are feelings and they are temporary. They're important to feel, but they go away. But the joy that you can find in the Lord that's what's permanent. And then recently, a few weeks ago, I once had a friend at church who was saying that kind of the beautiful thing about suffering during this time is that you can worship here on earth in the midst of suffering. And that's only something you can do on earth. You don't get to do that in heaven. So also just knowing that we can take these hard times and present something really beautiful like that out of it is something that I try to remember too, whenever I am going through other periods of struggling or suffering that I'm just always going to go through because I'm a human and I have these issues and I have these struggles that are never going to go away on this side of heaven. But on the other side of heaven, they will go away. The second person I'd like to introduce is my friend Joel, and he is a student at UTC with me in Chattanooga. I think the biggest lesson the Lord has taught me during times of suffering is that I need to give up the idol of understanding, which is a hard lesson for me to learn because I really want to understand how everything fits together and how it all works together in God's plan. Uh, But the truth of the matter is we're just not going to understand everything this side of heaven. And just as God did not answer Job's questions as to why he was suffering, but instead invited Job to trust in him, I believe God is inviting us to to do the same and that he looks on us and says, child, you don't understand and you won't understand, but I need you to trust that I love you more than you know and trust that I'm still in control. 
And that is a tough lesson to learn, but I think there's a lot of freedom in that. And God wants each of us to learn that lesson. And the third person I'd like to introduce is Sarah, a friend, my Bible study leader, my discipler of many years, and she is on staff with crew at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. So I went through some extremely low seasons of depression in college, and it obviously affected my entire life, my faith, and it really, really affected the people closest to me. But um, during all of my lower moments, I eventually saw that God was not going to leave me. He wasn't going to leave just because I wasn't happy all the time. He constantly reminded me of his steadfast love, and he assured me that he didn't get tired of healing me and comforting me. He taught me so much of his truth through his word, his spirit, and through so many people that he placed in my life. So I've begun to realize that, yes, suffering is painful, and I hate Um, those low moments. I don't enjoy them at all. But the sweet closeness that I experience with God is unlike anything else. At the end of every episode, I like to include a quote and a passage of scripture that have inspired my writing of this podcast. The following quote that I've chosen is from one of my most cherished books I have read, called Hind's Feet on High Places by Hannah Hernard. If you have not read it, I would strongly encourage you to begin reading it through the duration of this podcast series. I believe that it will seriously change everything for you as it did for me. So Hannah Hernard writes, You may think that much afraid was altogether too much given to shedding tears, but remember that she had sorrow for a companion and teacher. There is this to be added, that her tears were all in secret, for no one but her enemies knew about the strange journey on which she had set out. The heart knoweth its own sorrow, and there are times like when David, it is comforting to think that our tears are put in a bottle and not one of them forgotten by the one who leads us in paths of sorrow. And the Bible passage that I would like to read is Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 30. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to Humbly Spoken Podcast. I was seriously blown away by the amount of people that listened to my first episode, and I just am feeling so honored and cherished and loved by all of you listening. So feel free to share this with your friends and let me know what you think. 
for all inquiries, whether to discuss a podcast episode more fully or to request or suggest specific topics for me to cover or really anything else, you can email me at humblyspoken.pod at gmail.com. You can also find all show notes from each episode, blog posts, and other resources on my blog at www.humblyspoken.wordpress.com. You can follow Humbly Spoken Podcast on Instagram at humblyspoken underscore pod, and you can follow my personal account, K-I-N-S Holland. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Humbly Spoken Podcast.